0: Welcome to the Ameet podcast. Today's topic is trauma and primary dentition. The Ameet conference is all about MIH and it's a really important topic and you have the chance to meet all the experts in this field, network with him and learn with him together. This podcast is sponsored by GC Europe. Have fun listening. (laughs) Welcome to today's podcast. I'm connected over the internet with Elias berduces Welcome to this podcast show, Elias.
1: Oh, thank you very much. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to have this interaction with the people.
0: Elias, you told me that you had recently a very successful webinar about a topic which is Quite rare. It's trauma in the primary dentition.
1: Yeah, I think this is an interesting topic, but also at the same time a topic that we don't really discuss very often in uh, the different seminars that we give uh, in the pediatric dentistry. And uh, I, I think from time to time it's important to visit this topic in order to see what happens with it. It's very interesting to, to point that it's a it's so often that it that happens so often yeah, with the kids. If you look at the different... different Different studies, you will see, you will find that uh, the prevalence is anywhere between twenty to thirty percent. It means every one out of uh, three or four or five kids that they visit our offices, they have some kind of uh, dental trauma, and it accounts for eighteen percent of the total trauma that the kids go through until the age of six. So it's a very common situation, and yet it slips our attention.
0: Let me cut in. I mean. What I personally learned in university about trauma and primary dentition is quite easy. If it's an avulsion, we don't replant the tooth. And that's basically the message everybody knows.
1: That's correct. And it still stands. That's correct. We don't, if there is a primary tooth avulsion, we don't replant. Most of the time, the primary teeth have a subtle trauma regarding the effect on the tooth. You can have a concussion or a, a subluxation. This will having any non-effect on the tooth at the end of the day. Uh, Other times, you you can see a change in the color of the tooth. This change in the color is a dynamic uh, situation, meaning a few, maybe a week, 10 days after the trauma, you may see starting a change in the color towards uh, the gray. This is connected with uh, hemorrhage from the pulp. And then it, it goes up to a certain point, this change of the color, and then turns back. Other times, a few times, some uh, back to the original color of the tooth, uh, other times it stays gray and sometimes it stays gray for a while and then it, ter- it turns yellow. So, um, these, all these changes in the color, they give us an idea of what is happening, but it never gives us an idea whether we need to treat the tooth or not. So the change in the color, the yellow, let's say, it is associated with the obliteration of the root canal, second with dentin, or the gray is that there is still hemorrhage of the leftover pulp. At some point, there was a hemorrhage, but it doesn't say that we need to do something with the tooth. We we need to to have further investigation, a little bit of uh, percussion, x-rays for sure, and in order, because other tests like electrical tests are not very accurate with primary teeth. And also, you always have the limits with communication with the kids. We're talking about kids two, three, four years old. Mm. So, we have to put everything in this perspective in order to treat these cases. This is one part of it. What I want to say is that even a subtle change in the color of the tooth. We have to be sensitive to identify it and then start asking the parents what they know about it, if they know something. And many times we end up uh, radiographic examination there in order to understand what we need to do. But this is one part of the dental trauma. The other part of the dental trauma is that uh, other times when it happens, the parents are there, it it happens uh, when the kid is under their attention. Any trauma in this age can happen over a second of slipping the attention to the kid. It brings to the parents a lot of guilt, why it happened mm. and why I didn't prevent it, and so on. Which is, regardless the attention you pay to the kid, it can happen. If there is any small, even a small ulceration to the tongue or to some to the lip, there is a lot of bleeding. And the parents get very alert. And if you have a parent that has this is the first kid and the kid is like two or three years old, they see all this blood. The anxiety is skyrocketed. So if you take the description, if they call you and you uh, over the phone and you take the description of what happened and what uh, you ask them to see the, what the tooth is, where the tooth is and so on, and you may realize from this story there's nothing you, that you need to do on the spot. You can see the kid mm. the next day. It will be no difference for the uh, outcome of the trauma. But my suggestion is to see the parent on the spot, not the kid, but the mm. parent, because <laughs> because it's very important for this parent to, first of all, make sure that uh, nothing needs to be done, that the tooth is taken care. And also, my suggestion is to try to lift some of the anxiety and the guilt these parents have as regarding uh, why it happened. The trauma is not only the tooth itself. You have to, to look at the child and then the family as well. Because maybe it's not the, the father that was responsible, because the grandmother or the nanny, and then there's a lot of discussion why it happened and so on. Um. You probably have more experience with crying children in
0: the dental office, in the waiting room. It's actually my last crying child, I was actually telling them, well, get this child some ibuprofen so the pain get, goes away, and then you ca- come again in an hour, because it doesn't need to cry. here. <laughs> yeah. We have to address the pain as well.
1: In, in most of the cases, if there is no fracture of the heart tissue, because this is a, a rather rare thing, it happens with primary teeth as well. You can have a crown fracture, complicated fracture. It, we have that ca- these cases. Most of the cases, there is no pain involved, especially if you don't okay. touch the tooth. Meaning, so when the the patient the the kid is outside, it's more because of the frustration of from the trauma. Other times, it's the reflection of of the frustration of the parents that it is transmitted to the kid. So it's not the pain that makes these kids react. Most of the times, there's no pain with primary tooth trauma. Not all the times, but most of the times. Another thing that we need to understand is that the change in the color as I was saying before, is an indication that uh, this tooth uh, had a trauma at some point. The only information, the information that you get is when, if you see a tooth with trauma, it means that the trauma is not one week ago. It is at least two, maybe three weeks, at least two two or three weeks, but it can be two years ago. Mm. So the the, the color does not give you an indication. if you start asking the story behind the change and ask when it when it, when it started, uh, when the trauma happened, then you get the information and then you decide what you do. It's not necessarily connected with, as I said, um, need for treatment, but it's an indication mm-hmm. that you need to follow the, the tooth, to follow up the tooth, and make sure that there's no effect on the permanent tooth. Because when you, we're looking at the primary teeth trauma, our, the first goal is to do everything that's necessary to protect the integrity of the permanent tooth. Because the, mm-hmm. the roots of the primary teeth very close proximity with the per- permanent teeth. A slight move can have an effect on the, on the permanent tooth. Most of, the, of these effects are uh, minimal, meaning a, a slight change in the color of the permanent tooth, usually white, sometimes uh, yellowish. Very rarely you will find a severe effect. And usually, these have severe effects are associated with trauma that it happens very early, like maybe second year of life, two, two and a half, two and, a half. and it is associated with intrusion when there is a direct effect. The primary tooth traumatize the permanent sperm very early in the formation of the permanent tooth. But most of the times, the effect on the, pr- on the permanent is a, a slight change of the color. Other times... Another effect that you make, if there is an ankylosis of the primary tooth, which is one of the side effects after a primary tooth trauma, then the Mm. permanent is directed in a, not in a natural position, but on the upper teeth, usually on the lingual. And in these cases, you need to remove the primary tooth as long as you, the moment you see the permanent, because it may get into a crossbite. Most of the time, it's not a detrimental effect on the permanent teeth, but it is important for the convenience of the children to follow up these cases and, and do what is necessary.
0: What are the typical follow-ups you would recommend in
1: these cases? If you see a trauma, let's say a concussion or a subluxation something like that, which is the most common cases. What I do is uh, I, I see the kids the moment, the day of the trauma or the next day. And then I see the kid usually, uh, usually maybe 10 days later. So I make sure that there is no mobility because sometimes there is mobility of the tooth. So I see that the Mm. mobility is okay, maybe three or four four months later I take the first X-ray. Ah, Okay, not direct. If there's no change in the position of the tooth, obvious change, Mm. there's no need to take an X-ray, because you're going to see a tooth that, you're not going to see anything that you don't expect. So you need the first effects that you may have from the nerve, from the pulp of the tooth, it will take three or four months and then if if this x-ray is clear it's okay then i take another x-ray 6 months later so it's about close to a year and maybe 10 months if you don't see any effect of the root you know, during this period it's very unlikely that you will see something more after that
0: but on the X-ray, you're probably looking at the periodontal ligament. If there's a lesion, if there are any signs of root resorption. Yeah,
1: external resorption. What it can happen is the trauma can initiate the resorption process of the teeth. Other times, external; other times, very, very rarely, internal. It can happen. So, you, but you can see external resorption. Uh, another thing is the ankylosis and uh, substitution agilosis as well. Uh, one thing that is very interesting is when you see a wide canal on a p- primary tooth, for the common scenario is a kid like three, three and a half comes to the office with a trauma or with a change in the color, you take an x-ray and you see a very wide canal on the, one of the centrals or both of the centrals. This means that the trauma happened at least around the age of two, maybe earlier than two, depending on how quickly or how late the kid brings the teeth in the mouth. The parents don't have a clue. They don't remember what happened a year or a year ago before that visit. But the, the wide canal is not because of the internal resorption. It's because the tooth never developed. At the moment of the trauma, the tooth stopped developing. Interestingly, uh, there are many cases that one central has stopped the development and there has a wide canal. The other one is obliterated. It's very amazing for me a similar trauma because the ankylation is not exactly the same when you have a trauma between the right and left central. But on the other hand, how different it can be. I mean, mm. so you see a totally different response from the tooth on a very similar trauma, and this is very interesting for me.
0: Do you see also lesion in these cases on the?
1: Yeah, many times you have you may have necrosis, but you don't have mm. infection of the, of the nerve. So in these okay. cases. You may have a slight lesion around the tooth, but it is a very minimal. Okay. If you get any infection because of the, from the bloodstream, the Greek term is anahoresis. I don't know what is the English term. It means the infection came from the bloodstream, and then in these cases, you get a, an abscess. And, and of course, when you get to the point of the abscess, it's very obvious from the clinical point of view. And then you have to make a decision whether you can do a root canal on this tooth, or you have to remove. And uh, making the decision, it's uh, it's not so obvious sometimes. It depends on the age of the kid, and not only the age, but the cooperation of the kid. Because doing a root canal on the front tooth with uh, all these things that we use, the sharp the point in, in the kid uh, fighting, you have to get, take this uh, under consideration. And if you have a very rugged external resorption it's very difficult to control that with a root canal, but, you know, it—it it, it, it's a compli- it is not, it's a decision that is a case by case. It's not something that you can, you know, bluntly say we do this or we do that. It's a case decision. Then, if in case you can do that, then you can maintain the tooth until the eruption of the permanent. Otherwise, you have to remove. Uh, remove it. I think the main goal is to keep the tooth as long as possible. Yeah, that's correct. The main goal is to make sure that the the permanent tooth is healthy. The health of the permanent tooth is the first goal. Maintaining the primary tooth is the second goal. Okay. All right, because removing the anterior tooth, from a functional point of view, the effect is very minimal. The main effect is uh, aesthetics. And for the kids at the age of four or five, I don't want to downgrade the aesthetic point of part, because there they are kids very sensitive if they feel, if they are different from other kids and other kids, they don't care, it doesn't matter for them. But the kids that are sensitive and they show this sensitivity there with other kids at the kindergarten or in school or in social life, the other kids, they understand it and they pick on them. And in, in these cases, you have to replace the tooth. It's not the replacement, it's only for aesthetics. Don't lose the space in the front. There's no functional reason to, to replace the tooth. But sometimes there is some kids are very sensitive to that. And other times, the parents are sensitive. The kids don't care, but the parents cannot see the kid without a tooth in the front. So you give the option and then depending on the situation, you do, you replace the primary tooth or not. But it, it is important for me to explain to the parents why we're doing it meaning we're doing it because we are not doing it because it's necessary from a dental point of view the pronunciation of the kid is not going to be is not going to be affected because they are, the kid the kid will go through a phase where the pri- the anterior teeth will be lost for some time at least and the kid mm-hmm. will manage so it's not so important for these points of view but for the psychological health of the kid sometimes it's important and other times for the parents <laughs> I mean, I think
0: as a pediatric dentist, you most of the time treat the parents as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I think the main goal for pedo is to get them out of the room as soon as possible.
1: <laughs> you see, the kids, most, if not all the time, but most of the times, is the reflection of, the, of what's happening at home. And mm. if, you, if you stay with the kid long enough, you will find out what's happening at home. If you are interested <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to advertise it to the parents because you know some they may get scared but you can understand who is the boss who's uh, calling the shots who who does what and everything if you if you are interested to to get the information out of the kid not directly i mean the kid will not tell you ex- you know directly but you can infer from what they are saying and how they are, they are approaching things. But now we're, we're diverted from our primary teeth trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to primary
0: teeth trauma, I think I kind of learned that if you extract the primary teeth quite early, that the eruption of the permanent tooth is kind of
1: delayed. That's correct, because in the natural sequence of the events, the permanent tooth will, has, will have to go through the dentin the tooth, the primary tooth pathway. And the tooth, uh, th- there is a resorption of the primary tooth, and then the, the permanent follows this direction and erupts. Uh, if you remove the tooth early, then this void of uh, where the primary tooth root is there, was there before, now it's uh, filled out with bone. And then the tooth has to go through the bone, which is a little bit different um, process, and it is delayed. There, is, there are cases though, that uh, when you remove the primary tooth, the permanent comes very quickly. These are ca- really? these are cases where let's say if you have, if the tooth, the permanent tooth was supposed to erupt in the mouth, let's say five and a half or six, okay? And you have a trauma early, like three, four years old, doesn't matter. And then at some point you get infection. And then you get a, an abscess around the per- primary tooth where it removes the bone and the abscess is it's left there for some time, so it, it mm. removes touch a part of the bone. When you remove the, the primary tooth, it is a void there; it is not bone. And the tooth, if especially if you get the patient during a growth spur where there is a lot of growth, then this permanent tooth will erupt in the mouth faster than if the tooth were there before. But this is a this is a certain situation. It's not the, the general scenario is if you re, uh, remove the primary tooth early, then permanent teeth will usually delay their eruption. But you, you can see the diff, uh, you know the opposite under certain circumstances.
0: At least we don't want to talk too much about the treatment, but I would like or point out that an absence uh, on a primary teeth where the root canal is kind of a good option. I think this message is not really out there
1: yet. It is an option. As you said the only thing you you need to understand is of course the eruption phase of the permanent if you are talking about uh, if you have half of the root there's no point of of doing a root canal it's very difficult to do it it's a very open canal and so on at a little bit earlier stage the root root canal are usually effective on uh, primary teeth on the anterior primary teeth it's not if you do it not in the right way but the right cases they are more effective than the posterior, usually. So we have a we have a good chance of saving the tooth if you do the root canal on the anterior tooth.
0: Do you do these root canals
1: generally under general anesthesia or? No, no. From my point of view, it's too much to put a kid under general anesthesia in order to save an anterior primary tooth. That you may do the root canal and in two months because. Uh, two months or, or six months or sometime down the road the tooth will be lost either by another trauma or by a failure of the root canal and putting the, the child under general anesthesia to do that it, in my mind it is it is treatment. I don't think it's appropriate so if you can do it on the chair then that's fine if you cannot do it then you may uh, need to lose the tooth early this is this is how I look at it
0: Okay. That's interesting. I mean, general anesthesia is kind of the easy way to do it for, for the untrained dentist, let's say it's this way. So what are your tips in handling the patient? How do you make sure that the complying is is,
1: is right? I mean, you're quite experienced with it. Do you have any hints? When you're talking about a three-year-old, I'm not talking about a four or five-year-old. These are uh, kids mm-hmm. that you can, uh, you can use the psychological techniques and guide them through the process. The problem comes when you have a two and a half three three and a half year old when you don't have a real rapport with the kid i mean you you, you talk to the kid for a one or two sentences and the third sentence the kid does, thinks that something else because this is the time span that the kid has it's not a problem for the kid is problem that we can the, of the treatment cannot be done properly on the kids, but on, on the kid but on the other hand there are other kids that they comply even with a little bit of whining or a little bit of crying but not fighting and and also it depends also on the relationship with the parents parents sometimes can guide them very easily through the process other parents don't have any effect on their behavior and here it's it was i I would like (laughs) i would like to say as an example a kid was the was like maybe four and a half the kid was on the chair for the first time from a country i'm doesn't matter the country but the the kid goes on the chair and he, he was making a little bit of a noise he was not fighting he was not uh, you know for me it wasn't a problem all right so he's mm. just making a little bit of a noise not crying but just a noise so the father the father said stop the kid didn't stop so he, the father comes to me says can i say something i said yes because it was his kid it was the first time in the and in nothing was happening so the, the the father goes on top of the kid said something to the language then he sh- he sat down, and the kid was fine. There's nothing, <laughs> 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 nothing happened after that. It was, I mean, that, that was so. The parents, especially for these ages, is the, the effect on the treatment is very very important. That was an extreme case, but uh, as I said, w- with the kids when when we're talking about two or three year old and maybe sometimes four years old, it's very difficult to to use any psychological technique. So either you have to do it fast, sometimes the parents are very important calming the kid down and uh, guiding through there is no a guideline every kid is different and every kid needs a different approach because the resistance from the part of the kid is from a different starting point so you, you need to adjust to listen to the kid, try to find why they're resisting and try to work with it. It's not easy before the age of four or four and a half. That's why I was saying before that it is very important to take everything into account when you decide to do a root canal or not. Everything needs to be taken into consideration.
0: I can think we can point out that all the discoloration we are seeing we just have to tell the parents in advance that they might occur, that they might change in color. Yes. And this way, when it really happens, we have less problems with the parents.
1: That's correct. For sure. When, every time, even the slightest, even the most benign trauma, primary tooth trauma, I always talk about the change in the color because it may happen. You you, pre- you prepare the parent for this change, and also they don't get alert because, as I said before, it means that there was a problem with the tooth, meaning there was a trauma or something, but it doesn't mean that we need to do something. So we need to follow up, that's okay, but uh, it doesn't mean we need to treat it in, in, in a certain way. We, so we need to follow up and decide what we need to do. Change the color, it's only an alert that something is happening here, and then we have to decide what it is that happens and if we need to do anything.
0: And it's interesting that you rather make late x-rays. I mean, I'm, most of the time
1: at the dentist, we make an x-ray right away. But uh... for me, if, if, let's say if you have a concussion or a subluxation of a, like a three-year-old, right? And you take an x-ray, what do you expect to find?
0: Well, I hope I see at least something.
1: No, The only interesting thing you may find is an older trauma. Okay. All right. That we can find, but you will have the se- But because the older trauma did not have any obvious clinical effect on the tooth, you don't expect to find much. So even that, and if you find the older trauma, then what are you going to do? Are you going to change the treatment? No.
0: Basically, I mean, what's right in primary dentition and what's wrong in permanent dentition? The wait and see approach is kind of
1: right for the permanent dentition. The immediate uh, x-ray, it's very important if you have a permanent tooth that is not fully formed, like when you have an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, even a Mm 10-year-old, some kids or the 10-year-old kids do not have fully formed the permanent tooth, then you need to know where it starts because you need to compare like three or four months later and see that you have a development. So this is a different Mm -hmm. approach. It's very important to know. Uh, even if in, in a later stage, if we have like 14, 15-year-old, because but on the other hand, age goes, right, the, the, the kids get older, frequency of the trauma drops. But in, in case that we have like a 14, 15-year-old and you have a trauma, you need to know where you start. Because the tooth, if you see, if the tooth had uh, ortho ortho treatment before, the tooth may have uh, some external resorption minor from the tra- from the ortho. That you need to know that this is what happened before the trauma, so when you see it three or four months later, you you, you not know. And it's it's more important for the for the to know this information for permanent teeth because you need the tooth for a very long time. With baby teeth, even if you lose it at some point, you know it's not going to happen because you didn't see something on the initial X-ray. This mm-hmm. is what all I'm saying and. Taking an X-ray is one one thing. Is saying taking an X-ray? Try to take an X-ray on a three-year-old. Then we're t- <laughs> all right. It's, it's it's not so easy all the time. I'm not saying it on the point of view of uh, safety uh, because mm. of the X-rays. I'm not. This is not my my thinking. I'm not because now, especially with the digital X-rays we were we're using, exposure is much less. minute. So. Not so much the the safety, the, the difficulty, it's more important. And if you're going to get something that will change the treatment plan of, the, of that particular tooth, I doubt it very much. So that's why it's not that I don't take an immediate x-ray all the time. All right?
0: Yeah. I mean, taking an x-ray on a three-year-old is, would be, for me, basically impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's be honest. It is. And- I mean... Even the small films I have in my office in the interior, I basically would have to hold it with my finger in order to get
1: a kind of decent picture. In these cases, you need to have the assistance of the parent. Okay. The parent should be to hold the film with the kid. That will also make the kid feel more comfortable if the parent is doing it. Of course, always the the camera. It's something you know scary for the kid. If you know it's in front of their eyes, right in the front of the nose. It's it's not something that it's you know easy for them. But on the other hand, having the parent holding them and touching them, it's more comfortable for them. So, in, in most of the cases, you need the help of the parent. Not all the parents are able to assist you, though. They, they are not capable of doing this. So then you have to make a decision how, it's gonna, how you're going to go. So this is about the x-rays. It's, it, saying it is one thing. Doing it is a different at this age. That's why it's not a bad idea to
0: make it four months later. <laughs> <laughs> so, kid so, knows you. You basically are no friends because you didn't do anything. And next time you're allowed to take an x-ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, that's correct.
0: I I would say we are basically pretty much through this topic. Thanks a lot. I think trauma and primary dentition is something which is not very taught anywhere because people also always like shortcuts.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And there are no shortcuts. That's correct. For me, it's always fascinating to investigate these cases. And also, it's a good tip for the parents from the point of view of marketing because if the parent comes to the office and you ex- find something that they didn't even expect, that gives an idea to the parent, you know what you're doing, and uh, it is a good thing that they came to your office to find something that they didn't expect. Because they, most of the times the kid, the parents come for something different, and then mm-hmm. you direct them through, through the uh, what's happened in, in the past of the... Of the kids and also I think in many in many cases when you have a three and a half year old and you take an x-ray and and talk to them and say you know uh, maybe a year and a half ago the patient had a trauma they say how do you know I mean this is the first (laughs) this is the first reaction I get I mean how do you know I said the x-ray shows everything (laughs) x-rays don't lie yeah x-rays don't lie (laughs) if you if you know how to interpret they don't they don't lie (laughs) <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Thanks, Elias, for this great talk. We might have the chance in the future to do it again.
1: Yeah, a different be, topic. Because it was a great pleasure for me to have this uh, chat with you. And I hope this uh, will help people to be more alert in uh, primary teeth trauma. Bye. Bye.